my god hey sandy happy new year what the fuck is up miss oh. you oh my god i missed you too i missed this uh happy new year to you and to everybody listening as well i am great as long as i don't think about the the weather being really gray and warm uh for this time of year but that doesn't matter because we are talking again we are back and oh my god we have so much to talk about you have so much to talk about. It's a new year. It's a new us. No, it's not a new us. But we do have daily news. No. That's news. And you know what else is new? Mm, what? I'm standing as we talk. Maybe that'll make me more energetic. Who knows? But that's new. <laughs> Sorry, what? You're standing? Yeah. You're like pacing right now? I'm not pacing. I'm just standing. Why? I don't know. I have a standing desk. And and when I came up here to record, it was in the standing position. And I said, why not? (laughs) Okay. Wow. Okay. So new uh, spring in your step, Sandy. I can't wait to hear how that translates into the oral world. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be excellent. So, you know, I think we should start this year right off with gratitude before we get into what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I just want to say, hey, thanks for everybody for sticking around with us over the break. I hope you enjoyed our episodes from the Vancouver live show, hoping to do more of that this year. And I hope you enjoyed our new daily news uh, segment that Nora's been doing, working really hard on. And please, as always, give us feedback for any of that um, we're always very eager to hear what you have to say and uh, to see if we can incorporate any any new suggestions. Absolutely. And I have heard from some people, we're working through some of the, the comments that people have made. Um, the people that have given me news tips as well, thank you for that. It's it's really helpful to, to have other eyes like on what's going on in Canada because, you know, I do my best. But of course, you folks might have better idea than I do of what's important. So feel free to be in touch anytime about that. And we're going to try and get it to be on the Sandy Nora homepage, but not like the homepage, but under a daily news tab so that you can go there if you're interested in the daily news or you could ignore the daily news and just wait for the regular episodes every Tuesday morning. All right. So we got some people to thank, some gratitude to give out, some specific gratitude. Yes. Yes, we have some people to thank. So as always, thank you to everybody that listens and supports. Um, if you are, are unable to like financially support, don't worry. I hear from a lot of folks saying, oh, I've had to pause. Like The cost of groceries are too much. I can't keep doing Don't worry about that. You don't ever have to apologize to us for not supporting the podcast financially. You can share it. You can love it. You can listen all you want. That's awesome. But... Thank you, especially this week, uh, to the folks who have become Patreons, uh, who've changed their their, uh, donations or who have donated for the first time, especially Danielle, Aaron, Megan, Libby, Julie, Aspen, Kate, Kathleen, Eric, Elvidan, Emily, and Michael. Thank you so much, so much. Thank you so, so much. Okay, Nora. So, I mean, there's probably all sorts of things we could be talking about today, but one thing that I did want to start off with is that we are recording this today on Sunday, January the 22nd, and there has been a mass shooting 
uh, in my city, in Los Angeles, at a uh, celebration uh, for Lunar New Year that was happening in Monterey Park. And uh, it's become... You know, we've we've been doing this podcast for a while and, uh, you know, every once in a while there's one of these horrific um, events that happens and we we discuss um, how awful uh, these types of events are that are happening and how they are preventable and that there are things that we can be doing in our society um, to to prevent this type of violence from taking place. And so today is no different Um for those, um, I just, you know, I, <laughs> I don't really know what words, uh, to, to say anymore that haven't been said, but this is, um, obviously awful, uh, and, um, to, to everyone who's feeling the hurt from that, um, as I'm sure we all are in some way, um, yeah, we're, we're here with you and we feel it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, of course, uh, coming up on the sixth anniversary of the mass shooting at the Islamic Cultural Center in Quebec City as well. Uh, That is January 29th. And we'll be recording next week on the anniversary of that. Well, actually, no, we'll be recording the day after because I'll be involved with stuff. So make sure you are commemorating it, doing something um, taking some sort of action. Uh, the, the January 29th is officially a day uh, to fight Islamophobia in this country. And so let's not forget that either. And so I guess relatedly, what we wanted to talk about today was media propaganda. Now, you've heard us talk about media multiple times. I feel like it's like 40% of what we talk about on this podcast, if not more, is how frustrated we are at the media and how the media discusses um, really important uh, events. And I mean, I say that this is related uh, to, to this issue because I think, you know, one of the reasons why we find um, societally uh, discussions about mass violence and um, and just horrific violent events very difficult is because of the way that we choose to talk about them in the media. Um, and, you know, there's ways that we could be talking about um, mass violence that occurs as systemic issues, as social issues, as issues related to public health. But we rarely talk about issues in that way. And I think that that is a lot because of the way that media is very, very susceptible to propaganda from all sorts of sources. And we're going to kind of go through that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, Sandy, if in the the break, uh, you've been listening to the daily news headlines, but there was a, a an article that I referenced last week about how Post Media is closing 12 local newspapers in Alberta, closing their circulation and moving them online. Wow. At this, yeah. At the same time, they're selling the Calgary. They've sold the Calgary Herald building to U-Haul. They're selling the Saskatoon Star Phoenix building. And, you know, you look at the quality of journalism that's being produced in this massive empire, right? Post media is what uh, it owns 120 properties uh, in, in newspapers all across Canada, including the National Post. Its chairperson is Jamie Irving from the Irvings in New Brunswick. And so like they have a long history of 
interference in the media that they've owned now for some time in New Brunswick. So that's super, super bad. And I don't know if you saw today, but there was an article and the journalist has expressed total ignorance on this. So I'm not going to name the journalist, but there's an article about Davos that was talking about how like other secret society groups like the Freemasons was one of the groups he suggested. Uh, Davos is is doing whatever. But the, he also mentioned something called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion or the Elders of Zion, which is like pure, pure anti-Semitic propaganda, doesn't exist, has, has been a propaganda piece since the Nazis fucking existed. And it gets published as an example, the Elders of Zion, as an example of a secretive group that controls things like now we have Davos. What? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it kind of feels like you like just became like you were talking to me from a comic strip or something. Is that real? Like that somebody like a journalist yes. got tricked by this stuff and published that? Yeah. Yeah. Publish that. Publish that just as a, oh, you know, like the Freemasons and this like century old, seriously anti-Semitic trope. Oh, just like that. And so it's like, who's who the who are there adults in the room at Post Media? Are there? Oh, actually, here's an adult like uh, someone like Tom Blackwell, who has been like very obsessed with writing about trans teenagers and how lives are being ruined by teenagers who've decided to transition and um, all of these reasons for why it's been bad. And he keeps talking to the parents. Like, it's just like such bad shit that's coming out of the National Post, which owns so much of our media, that it's really hard to imagine, like, how this gets any better in the mainstream world, because it's so bad as it is, and it's going to get far, far worse. Uh, yeah, it's getting it's it's kind of to this point where like, you know how they used to tell us, you know, um, us millennials, you know, us uh, fucking perpetual youth people uh, that we shouldn't like use Wikipedia as a source because it's like not, um, you know, it's not a reputable source. You can't you can't verify anything, but you can use the news media because they go through fact checking and so on. Like, I feel like those days are kind of over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know that you can rely on major news media anymore. In a throwback to a discussion that we had before the break, some of you might remember that Nora and I had found this really hilarious and weird uh, set of articles that um, basically, you know, if they had been uh, put through some sort of, um, uh, what's it called when you copy someone's work, word for turn word? Turnitin.com, like plagiarism? Yeah, see, I was going to say turnitin.com, and then I was like, oh, is that too millennial for for the podcast? Like, I don't know. But um, we, so we found these sets of articles that were basically plagiarized from each other, talking about how retail theft was on the rise, and that was the cause of inflation. And in, as, uh, in conclusion, um, fund the police. It was like the most bizarre <laughs> set of rationales that, you know, like it was like, how did you get from one point to another in these articles? Um, plus, uh, not sure if your data is correct. So interestingly, later on during, during, the, um, during the break, I found that that had happened last year too from the same mm -hmm. people, same articles, same sort of text that was going on of like, oh, uh, retail theft is on the rise around the same time 
in the holiday period and still with the same conclusions of we've got to fund the police more. So this has happened over in some of the same publications over a period of two years. And these articles were not um, spurned from any particular event happening. They were from a group that uh, that represents like this retail council or whatever. It was basically a PR campaign. How did they manage to get that in the news? And then I saw, Nora, that you also found something to follow up on that article that you spoke about on your social media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Walgreens came out and said that there actually had many theft at all. So how the fuck, how the wah, fuck wah, wah, wah. does that end up in an article in mainstream news newspapers across uh, the United States, Canada, and indeed the world. I mean, I think we all need to be really, really careful when we see some of these news articles that are like uh, trending and uh, that everyone seems to be talking about because they may not be news. They may be ads because, you know, the news media now, as Nora just described, like it's super hollowed out because it is so money focused. It's focused on being as efficient as possible. And it's focused on making sure that it is selling um, goods to advertisers and that selling services, sorry, to advertisers. And that service is getting as many eyes on something as possible. And so another story that we've seen a lot over um, the last few weeks is this chat GPT thing. Have you seen this? I'm sure you've seen it. I have to be honest with you. I I have refused to read anything that says ChatGPT. I wrote an article before the end of the year last year about how the future of art and creativity has got to be anti-capitalist because the stuff that sells is going to be created by AI. Like it's just fucking obvious and, you know, what the fuck. But uh, ChatGPT, I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I mean, that might be a good way forward because this chat GPT stuff, like I am confident is just a giant ad to get people <laughs> to use the program. Like nothing, nothing is, is more obvious to me. Like this is a program that is going to thrive and learn from people using it. And so what do you do? You place a bunch of news articles that have this sort of like fear mongering sort of, oh, is this the end of like human creativity? I mean, only if creativity is like goal oriented, like the, the process of making art is good people like that's part of how this whole thing works. But anyway, that's another episode. Um, but, uh, you know, like this idea, all these fear mongering things and then get people to use it, to test it, get journalists have been testing it. Millions and millions of people have been using it as a result of these articles that are coming out nervous about it. And it's like, what better way to grow your business than to get these ads placed as not ads. You don't have to hire people for commercials if you just have journalists who are eager to fill space online with, um, you know, they've got as much space as they need to fill online and they have very little time to do it these days in a, in a Twitter fast world. And so if you've got a, an article that is going to basically write itself, 
<laughs> literally, because you can say, oh, look, I just tested this thing in this chat box and this is what chat bot or whatever. And this is what came up like that. That's a fucking 15 minute article instead of something that you have to actually research, put some time into, put some an- analysis into and write a real news story about. We don't know anything really based on most of these articles about the company that's doing it. We don't know what their goals are. The most that I've really uh, seen talked about was that they used to be a nonprofit and now they have a for-profit wing and that Elon Musk is involved and that's basically it. But there's no, there's no like analysis or even discussion about the fact that they're everywhere all over the news. This is propaganda and we should be able to, um, to like in this sort of news environment, we have to be media savvy enough, um, to, uh, be able to point out when that's happening, when we're being manipulated. Mm. Do you know what else is propaganda? Uh, all crime news. Oh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. Uh, I was going to say the fact that there's never any follow up on fucking anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Except for crime news. Except for crime news. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hear the sentencing just, stuff. Just still. <laughs> yeah. We'll hear the charges. We'll hear the police reaction. But it's, you know, it's fascinating doing the daily news briefs because I, I, I consume news all the time, but I've, I've never consumed news with an eye to figuring out what do I think other people need to hear. And like the first thing that has struck me, I'm now doing it. I've now done it for two weeks. Right. So two weeks every single morning. And the first thing that struck me is how thin all of the front page of every single news organization is in this country. You might have four stories and then the rest are all like fucking fluff. And the fluff, the, th- the problem with the fluff is it's like it's still a journalist, like their time. That journalist is still interviewing that dog that had 17 puppies. This, the journalist is still interviewing the, the guy with the giant beard. Right. Uh, and but but it's, it's so much fluff. But the second thing is that a lot of the stories are um, this has happened or this this we've discovered as some issues. So I don't know. Here's an example. Uh, well, McKinsey is a huge one. McKinsey, the, 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 the firm, the American firm that has now been it's been discovered by two Radio Canada journalists that, that the Trudeau government has given them more than a hundred million dollars to do. We don't know what actually to do the work of bureaucrats who are also there and being fucking paid to do that job. So oh, you good. got McKin. Yeah, it's like, sure. So this is all coming from Radio Canada, which means that there aren't English speaking journalists doing the investigations themselves. They're waiting for these reports from, from Radcan journalists. And then you have maybe news that's driven by the fact that a Ever is doing a press conference or that Singh is issuing statements. I mean, I don't think the NDP still has done a press conference about McKinsey, which is a whole other fucking thing to talk about. It's embarrassing. But then there's other stories like I read a Canadian press story about how there's just this huge crisis in, in pilot education, how 80 um, percent fewer people are, are becoming graduated commercial pilots in Canada. And it's a really interesting story. Is, it, is there going to be anyone that raises this uh, in like the questioning to different, I don't know, provincial education programs being like, why does it cost almost $100,000 to become a pilot in this country? And why are pilot wages so low when they're starting out? And what's going like, there's no follow up. There's no follow up. It's like, here's the information. Good luck. Good luck. But like the follow up is so thin. And, And when we don't actually know what happens out of these stories, the stories themselves become rendered completely useless. 
because there's there's then nothing. There's nothing that you can grab onto. It becomes entertainment, which is then why audiences demand more entertaining news, because there's never any satisfaction. There's never any um, accountability. There's never anybody being uh, called to account or, or having their feet held to the fire. We never find out who the fuck is at fault for destroying the healthcare systems. There's who's at fault for, um, you know, roads collapse. Like what? Like what the hell is going on? We, we never, ever, ever get the follow through. And it's just like. It, it tunes it tunes people out. You, there's no reason to read the news because you know you will never get satisfaction other than in crime reporting. Well, n- I wouldn't say you get satisfaction in crime reporting. I just think it is a longer set of stories because in this, and this is something I'm writing about right now, so I've been thinking a lot about it, but in this like climate where uh, the journalism is so fast and they're trying to, um, you know, basically sell space to advertisers. They're selling eyes to, to advertisers. Well, crime makes great stories. Like we, people are obsessed with like true crime shit, you know, like it's been known for violence, sensationalism, gore, like all of that stuff is, is like entertainment. Like people think about that as entertainment. And so the, the news thinks about that, like, you know, if you, again, if you only have so little time to file a story, whether it's in a newspaper on television or whatever, where is the quickest place that you can get that sort of information that's going to have some of these juicy things in them that people see uh, as entertainment that is going to get people's eyes on it? Well, it's going to be really quick to get it from the police because you just get a crime report and you can write that up in as as quickly as you want. And the police can choose what crime reports they're going to give to the journalists. Uh, it, they're not necessarily going to give the ones that make them look bad. <laughs> they can choose which ones they want that make them look good. And then journalists just report them. And whenever the police have done something to further whatever case they're working on, of course, it makes them look good to give an update to a journalist. So they're going to give that update to the journalist. And so that doesn't mean we get updates on all crime. We only get updates on the crime that the police want us to have updates on. Um, and if a journalist asks the police like, on, on a, to follow up on some sort of crime that they got information from the police uh, about, where they're like, what's the update on this? Um, the the answer will always be um, the investigation is ongoing if it's not good news. <laughs> so you never get a follow-up on all, any of that other stuff because there's not enough time to do the proper research. The problem here, and why that amounts to, to propaganda, is that you could, for all sorts of different types of crime, you could approach all kinds of different experts to talk to for all sorts of different social issues in our world. Like you could talk to doctors about um, the assault that uh, gender-based violence, that people who are women and gender minorities um, experience that sort of violence. You could talk to doctors about it. You could talk to therapists about it. You could talk to researchers about it. That takes longer to do that sort of reporting. It takes a lot longer to do that sort of researching. You could talk to uh, housing experts um, to to see if there's a link between some of the violence uh, that we're seeing or through some of the um, increase in um, uh, certain types of uh, social harms that are being experienced um, with the 
the way that uh, the housing market is. But again, to make those types of connections and that sort of analysis and to to have those sort of follow-up stories over and over again, it takes time and it takes research that increasingly in a super profit um, profits incentive model, it doesn't work. Like the news should be, it should be a... Uh, a resource. It should be a public good. It should be something that we all, um, you know, are able to make use of in our lives. And then so the news that we get should be relevant to us. Another news story that's been coming up that has make, made me think about this is these TikTok news stories that have come up recently that are like, uh, TikTok is like harvesting your data and like learning about you. It's like, okay, <laughs> Cool, like that's bad for sure. But sorry, are we saying that Twitter and Facebook are not doing that? That data is not being sold? Like, wasn't there this whole um, Cambridge Analytica thing that was happening? But I don't know. Like, isn't this like the problem with uh, Web 3.0, like the use of the internet in the social media age? But for some reason, these stories are being told to us as though they're just about TikTok. And like the idea that TikTok can make stories go viral. Ooh, yeah, duh. Like the owners of a company that um, is responsible for things that, you know, become super popular in the culture can make things like that happen on their own. Yeah, of, of course they can. So can Twitter. So can Facebook. So can all of them because none of these are democratic spaces. These are privately owned corporations who are selling ad space. That's the reason for their existence. Of course, they're going to control to some extent, um, it, uh, whether that's a little bit or all of it, um, how, what goes viral and what people see, because it is going to impact what they can sell to advertisers. But that is not how this news is being reported. <laughs> the news is being reported in some sort of like, you know, like anti-China propaganda sort of way, which is like, if you want to talk about the dangers of, of China having this, that's, that's fine. But I don't think we can have the, the, that conversation divorced from the fact that this is a corporate problem, not a like a Cold War problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course, of course. But I mean, that, that, that requires a lot of nuance and thoughtfulness and analysis, right? And this is, this is the first thing that really disappeared as the news industry in this country started to become transformed into what it is today, you know, that, that we don't have nuance, we don't have analysis, we have just strict reporting. And that's why when I say that crime reporting is satisfying, um, I, I mean that because there's, a, there's an end, right? Either the police fuck up the case and you might hear an update every seven months or something, but you don't really get any closure on what happened. Or it's like they caught the suspect, suspect's going to court and here's the outcome. Like it's a, it's a neatly packaged story. And all of the resources that go into telling these stories that are uh, more or less meaningless, you know, like certainly if we think about the chat fucking GPT or whatever it's called, it, that's pretty meaningless uh, from the perspective of like, 
the, these stories don't really get into what's going to be changing or all of the reasons that you identified already. But what then becomes uh, the expense of these stories? Like what, what stories do not get told? What investigations do not happen? What kind of questions are not being asked to people in power? And then all of a sudden we discover that, oh, McKinsey's been given all this fucking money from the federal government because bureaucrats have forgotten how to do their work or something like that, right? So it, it and and even that piece there, right? Like the I feel like um you know, I've been as we've been doing this podcast, I've been noticing more and more that I, I just feel like politics is even really divorced from the news in a way. Like there's this idea that it's yeah, it's okay yeah. for politicians to just opine on the goings on on our, of our world, much like you would a streeter. Like if you were a journalist and we're approaching someone on the street and we're like, "How does inflation make you feel?" and then the person's like, "Man, this sucks," and then you know you report that like people are really struggling. Let's hear from lady on the street who says, "Man, this sucks." Like that's kind of how journalism has kind of um, evolved to talk to, to politicians too. It's like, like, what? How do you feel about inflation? They're like, "Man, this sucks." I'm like, "Great, print it." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like instead of doing any sort of research as to how these politicians are also responsible for how we got here, and it's like. You know, can you do something about um, the way that uh, grocers in this country have uh, have like such a monopoly on um, on food prices and are like fucking people over? Yes, you can. And if we could just sort of like ask those questions and have that news be meaningful in the way that you're talking about, like, uh, yeah, we could have a little bit more knowledge over. Um, how our political system is directly involved with the things that make our lives really difficult. But we're not. But we can't even do that because if you start to have people who are too critical, all of a sudden media owners get in the way. They don't want to hear people who are critical. You know, like there's a reason why, like in the last couple of weeks, Sylvain Charlebois, who's like always asked to comment on food issues, and this and this has been the case for five years or something. It's a professor at, at uh, Dalhousie University. Uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, people are saying, well, who is this guy? Why is he always towing the line of, of law laws? Why is he always giving us some sort of like mealy mouth justification for stuff being shit? And it's like, like, let's forget about him. But it's because the broadcasters want to hear someone like that. They don't want to hear someone that's going to say, actually, Galen Weston is a rich guy and he is a rich guy because he steals profits from the people that work for him. And and he's a rich guy because they inflate the, the, the prices and then throw the entire food chain there's there's inflating the prices all the way through because there's people that need to make the money and then there's the people that do the job that don't get to make the money like we don't hear these it's so interesting you know last week i was on cbc syndication which meant that i talked to radio stations all across canada and i talked to them about unions unionizing it was a really really basic segment on what are like are unions still relevant not not relevant but uh, how are they still relevant and is there a surge in excitement around union activity and and it was great. It was really wonderful. And every conversation that I had was 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 fantastic. But it was like also, why would this not be built into the normal reporting around businesses and in, in the business world? I would listen to the CBC Business Report every morning before I fucking started doing my own thing. And they never mention unionization, which is a fundamental part of the business world. I mean, this is not this is not like fucking Marxism here, folks. This is literally just how industrial relations work in this country. And and, you know, it, like, you know, kudos to the folks that put me on the air. But where are those kinds of critical voices? They are systemically shut out of mainstream media. And so what the, what's really damaging is, you know, we we kind of have to 
like forget post media, I think pretty much. And increasingly there's, you know, the CTVs, the globals of the world all have their own internal problems and they're all dealing in the same fucking industry. So these, these issues are shared. But then we also have CBC that is like got managers that don't seem to give a fucking rat's ass about holding anyone to power. And you know, someone looks back and is either like, well, y- this is propaganda because because uh, you don't want to actually challenge anyone in power. Or someone sits back and says, this is propaganda because Justin Trudeau owns the CBC. Right. Which is, again, fueling why we have such a, a, a an activist and and organized far right, because they can tell that the media is shit. So, I mean, it's it's very difficult because, you know, it takes about five seconds to think about the stuff and then start like being very depressed about it because I don't see a way out of the trends. Like I, 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 short of journalists themselves taking over the stations, like I really don't know how we get out of this mess. And by the way, if you're curious, like the journalism that's done in places where the workers control it is better. Like, you know, (laughs) if, if the journalists themselves, if the workers in any fucking situation are able to control their working conditions and the way that things run, it gets better. It gets better. Um, but but that's not the trend. That's certainly not the trend with Post Media announcing that it's going to be laying more people off a, 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 as the chain that owns most daily newspapers in this country. So I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm at a loss because I know that there's good journalists out there that want to do good journalism, but the trends are very, very bad. And, um, and, it's, and it's even harder because average people have really tuned this stuff out because it's not interesting, it's not reaching them, or they're only consuming the smallest amounts that they've kind of allowed themselves to consume from whatever platform. As I hear you talking about workplace uh, issues and how that is like so devoid from the news, it's just like, I mean, is it is it any wonder that like in this sort of like hyper capitalist um, uh, expression of news that we have right now that. Um, there isn't really news that is that talks about workplace and workplace exploitation. And this is another set of stories that um, have been, you know, I think are just so obviously propaganda that I've just seen proliferating everywhere. And I'm just like, isn't it kind of embarrassing, you know, in the in the newsrooms when these stories come up that are like so quick to write because they're so meaningless? This quiet quitting thing that happened last year that was like, so dumb. It was just like people are quiet quitting, which was like just people doing the bare minimum at their jobs. But to frame something as quiet quitting, to frame it as bad and to frame it as though you have to go above and beyond, like you have to be mega exploited to be like a good person at work, <laughs> to be a virtuous person um, uh, doing your job is like really weird. And lately, I don't know if people have noticed this, but there's another one that's like rage applying is the new quiet quitting. First no, of all, what? how could there the be? Yeah. Rage applying is the new Who? quiet quitting. What the fucking McKinsey sort of bullshit term factories coming up with this stuff? The, yeah, exactly. But it's like news stories everywhere. And it's like, one, how could there be a new quiet quitting? Like that happened yesterday. Like how can there be a new fucking trend uh, for this non-existent trend, which is just people doing their work? Uh, no, rage applying is apparently, you know, like it's a it's another term that some PR company somewhere has obviously come up with in order to put some propaganda 
into the world about how uh, people are, um, you know, like continuously looking for other jobs instead of sticking with it and like doing well with their career and blah, 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 blah. It's propaganda. And it's like, how Mm -hmm. does this (laughs) come up as a news story? The news story should be about how people are being exploited at work, how they are unhappy at work, how we have been working increasingly more hours, what that is doing to our mental health. Like, But these, again, are stories that take longer to write. It takes a little bit of research. It takes a little bit of analysis. It takes talking to a bunch of people uh, to make all of these ideas come together and to make them work. It's harder than taking someone's really quick shit that you found that could have been on a BuzzFeed listicle in 2012 um, that's like, oh, rage applying. Great. Uh, right. Give me 500 words on that shit um, and about uh, some something about Gen Z millennials and baby boomers. And boom, you've got a story that people will click on uh, because it's got some sort of weird, fancy, not even fancy, not even clever title. One of the, the the news stories that I've been so surprised to see such little reporting on other other than the National Post doing full on anti-Semitism is Sandy, have you seen anything of the Canadian officials, specifically Christopher Freeland, in Davos? Honestly, not at all. <laughs> right. No, I haven't. Nothing. Well, and maybe, maybe, let's let's be I don't know. Maybe my news consumption is being uh, majorly impacted by the fact that Twitter is fucking going to complete shit and you can't get anything anymore and nothing is popping up in my newsfeed. But anyway, whatever. But the, 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 the images that I am seeing or the video I am seeing is all from rebel media. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And fucking I mean, last week, uh, Elon Musk replied to Ezra Levant applauding his journalism And the kinds of videos that the rebel media has been posting has been Christopher Freeland talking about how we must support war in Ukraine because of victorious Ukraine is in our self-interest, ours being the West, but including Canada, because a victorious Ukraine will be good for the economy. Literally, this is what she's saying. I'm not I'm not like exaggerating here. This is her fucking line. And when the only Canadian group that I've seen posting these videos saying this is like this you know here's a speech from Christopher Freeland in fucking Davos is the rebel news I mean what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck that seems really fucking dangerous yeah it's like it's like the mask debate all over again well not the mask debate but um the debate on uh the government powers that were used during the pandemic all over again where, you know, we we literally just don't have a left voice on it. But also we don't we don't have a news voice on it really. <laughs> it's like there's no there's just no real analysis beyond a conservative one that can can um be taken up publicly and that mm-hmm. uh is is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And so like this is this is like high level politics, right? Global politics, international politics, international relations, our finance ministers on the uh, the charm offensive at Davos to talk about saving Western capitalism, all of these things that uh, really are important, actually, for Canadians to hear about. And and it seems like we're getting it filtered through the most far right fucked up kind of lens. 
And I, I, I mean, I, this, this, this causes me a lot of fucking fear and despair because the far right knows that, that things are not right with people right now, that people are struggling, that things are difficult. Uh, the conservatives know that. And so Pierre Polyever has been picking and choosing which journalists that he wants to talk to. And of course, journalists are like, hey, that's not how it's supposed to go. What the fuck? And it's like, he's like, well, who cares? Like, I'm just going to talk to the journalists I want to talk to. And his line is like, I want to talk to the journalists in ethnic media. I don't want to necessarily talk to the CBC, which is like a pretty good line, actually, for average people to receive. If you're frustrated with the coverage at the CBC and you read your local whatever Portuguese language newspaper or channel. Um, and then he's talking directly to Canadians through videos. And his videos are pretty low production quality, him walking in an airport, blaming Justin Trudeau on I forget the fuck what. And they're bypassing the mainstream media entirely or they're or they're they've got these well-funded um, branches like Rebel News. But there's a, a ton more that are bringing what looks like actual journalism to average people, whereas mainstream media is nowhere to be found. Or if they are there, they're going to say like, oh, it's just propaganda to say like that we need to oppose a war in, in Ukraine because, oh, here's literal NATO on Twitter saying that the, the and, and of course it's got picked up by Canadian journalists, this line, not the quote from, from NATO, but that the only way for peace in Ukraine is through buying them more weapons. Therefore, Canada needs to send them armored, armored vehicles. I, it, 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 like it's, um, it's all very dangerous stuff and it, and it creates, it completely fully, 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 fully creates a world where the far right owns the narrative, controls the narrative, controls the mainstream media because of the work that they're doing. And mainstream journalists through their corporate fucking owners are reacting to that because they're all in the same kind of fen. Like they're all they 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 they, they play off of each other. And then average people are left with. Nothing. We're left with rebel news, really. Uh, we're left with, um, I mean, the most extreme version of it is we're left with cut up videos that don't make any sense that aren't even, I'm now I'm referring to something I just saw this past weekend, that aren't even our House of Commons with far right um, people online saying, oh my God, look what Justin Trudeau's liberals are saying. And it's like, that's not even Canada. What is this video? What are you talking about? Um, I think that the people in power who control massive uh, media corporations, they don't actually care about any of this stuff. They just want to make sure that they're making as much money as possible, knowing that these are dying um, business models. And we are all like we're going to find ourselves in an increasingly dangerous world as a result. Yeah, I, I mean, much like you, this stuff uh, does get me really, really worried. And I think the answer is in smaller media. Uh, smaller independent media right now anyway but the the bigger answer is and I think you mentioned this once on the podcast before so like almost a year ago maybe but we just we actually just have to change the model of how we provide news to each other it does actually need to be seen as a mm -hmm. public service in some way which means that like it, it the, the it cannot be um uh, profit driven it just it, it can't or we are going to find ourselves increasingly in this space just more and more and more as 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 uh, it becomes more and more exploitable. I, I think we in the last decade uh, gave a lot of power to social media companies to determine um, and have this sort of cyclical um, relationship with uh, with mainstream news to determine how we consume news, how we see news and what becomes news. 
And that has been really dangerous as well because it's led us to this place where we we continue to think about these social media companies as like these democratized spaces, which they absolutely are not. In some of the research uh, that I've been doing for the writing that I've been doing about this, like I learned that it used to be like in the 70s and 80s, like it was just uh, common um, in the in the United States that there was this idea that news um, uh, on any of the networks would lose tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars each year. That was like built into the model of the station, and then they would they would make up all of that money uh, on their entertainment programming, which you know was their their prime time offerings, like you know fucking Fresh Prince of Bel Air or whatever. But they knew that the news was going to lose money. And uh, part of that was because it was um, like there was a rule that the FCC required these networks. Like if you're going to have part of the if you're going to take some of the airways, you must provide some public good content. And then the FCC stopped um, like that. That was no longer a care of the FCC. To, to monitor that. And these networks got bought up by huge conglomerate corporations. And then all of a sudden, news uh, became one of the profitable parts of, uh, of these stations. And uh, that happened in through the 90s. And you can see how news has changed if you compare the, the, the loss model from the past to the profit model from today. And, and who loses out is the people who need the information, which is your average human over here. So, I mean, fuck. We, it just, like, it's simply the motivation needs to change from making money to providing information. Like, that has to, to factor into uh, the planning of how we provide ourselves information in our society. And if we don't do that, we get more of this garbage bullshit um, which is like meaningless, meaningless words that we're that we're getting. Things that you click on because it's just like, oh, that'll go viral. Uh, that that'll look great in an Instagram square. Um, that'll um, get past Elon Musk's new newest algorithmic filter, uh, rather than something that's going to um, talk to you about how your life uh, can be made better if you know a little bit about this and talk to your neighbors about it. And get involved in it uh, politically in some way. Uh, it can't be profit driven. No, and I know we have a lot of municipal, a lot of municipal politicians that listen to this show. I think that this stuff has to start at the municipal level. I think that that's where that there's some interesting possibilities to build new models, collaborative models, um, models that can have ways to make enough money to survive but not make profit for somebody. And um, and I really hope that if you do have any access to a position like that, think about it. Think about it because that's what the other thing that we're desperate for is, is the model. And there are some interesting situations out there. I mean, the Winnipeg Free Press remains like the gold standard for an independent newspaper. But of course, I mean, they're always under pressure as well, like lots and lots and lots of pressure. And um, and we're watching the transformation of the Toronto Star after um, it being sold to these two billionaires and now one billionaire. And I mean, the quality, you can see the difference in the quality. So think small. Um, but once there are models out there, that's the future of journalism. And that's the future of of telling stories that actually can do what journalism promises average people it's supposed to do.